stand to your feet and clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody magnify the name of the Lord. He's worthy to be praised. God is a great God, and he's worthy of our best, our highest, our greatest praise. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. The presence of the Lord is in this house tonight, and I am thankful uh, to feel his presence and to feel his touch. Amen. And I'm glad to know there's some folks around here that don't change. God, God don't change, and they're not changing. And I love and appreciate this church. Um, Isaiah chapter 43, I will begin reading in verse 15. While you're turning there, let me say what an honor it is to be in this new building. Man, it's beautiful. And uh, I'm so thankful to see what God is doing. And uh, it's just amazing to me how God's church in the middle of the economy going down, God's church is going up. It's the world's getting turned upside down and got the church just getting turned loose. Amen. Amen. I love so much the wonderful ministry of this church. I leaned over to uh, Brother Caleb a few moments ago. I said, you're right. I didn't come for the deer hunting or I, I didn't come for you, but I didn't come from the deer hunting either. I came for you, mom and dad. Amen. I love them so much. But man. And maybe a little bit of him, too. He's my friend. I love him and appreciate him. I love the people of God. I love the things of God. There's no place in the world I'd rather be than right here in church, feeling the presence of the Lord. Amen. So glad that my brother-in-law's with me. I love him and appreciate him. Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 15, it reads, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power. They shall lay down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as tow. Verse 18 says something kind of interesting because God is a God that is always reminding us of who he is as he has just done in this text. He says, I'm the Lord that made a way in the, in the sea the path of the mighty waters. But in verse 18, he says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now shall it spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I form for myself. Boy, I want to preach that just by itself right there. This people I form by my, for myself. They shall show forth my praise. One more time, I'd like to read verses 18 and the first part of 19. I want this to be seared into your mind. He said, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old, for I will do a new thing. I want to preach tonight with your help and the help of the Lord for the next few moments, new things for a new generation. 
new things for a new generation. Let's lift our hands together and ask the Lord to move in this house. God, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. We give you honor. There's nobody like you, God, in heaven or on earth. God, we love you so much. We're so thankful to be in your house. And we're asking you, Lord, right now to have your way in this place. God, from the front to the back, side to side, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost destroy every yoke in this house. God, I'm asking you to let the power fall in here. Let somebody leave chains set free by the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, would you clap your hands one more time and give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, you ought to give God the biggest shout you've given him all week right now. Somebody lift your voice with a voice of triumph and give him praise. Amen, amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Over the past couple of months, I have been stuck between Isaiah chapter 40 and Isaiah chapter 55. It is a portion of scripture that I have continued to revisit throughout my life and studying the word of God. But uh, Brother Samson, right now it seems like I can see this more clearly than I ever have before because our world looks more like it looked then than it ever has before. See, the purpose for that is because the book of Isaiah, chapter 40 all the way to chapter 55, is a word from God from the prophet Isaiah to God's people while they are in exile in Babylon. And I don't think you have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that our world looks like today as a carbon copy of what Babylon looked like in its day. There is a battle that has ensued from the very beginning of time in Genesis. It continues even in the spirit now. In Genesis chapter 11, we see Shinar, which becomes Babylon. And then in Genesis chapter 14, we see Salem, which becomes Jerusalem. And there is a battle that ensues between the two. And again, this battle is even in today's world because you can look at the book of Revelation and see that even at the end of time, there will still be a battle going on between Babylon and between Jerusalem. We see this battle as the banners for righteousness and unrighteousness, good versus evil. And it is here in our text tonight that it is previous that God has turned his people over to the banner of evil for a period of time. Now, the reason that God has done this is the same reason that he has done this all throughout scripture. They began to worship idols. Now, this, this is not what I'm preaching, but just let me tell you right now. Don't, don't get upset at God when you end up in Babylon because you've been doing stuff that'll take you to Babylon. A lot of people get it, end up in Babylon then they start scratching their head and I don't know why I'm here. I'll tell you why. For the same reason God's people got there time and time and time again. There are certain things that you do when you do them. It is the equivalent. You are going to end up in Babylon. Don't worship idols. It'll send you to Babylon. Don't. 
Well, let me just stop right here for a moment and preach to you. That's why you've got to have a pastor. That's why you've got to come to church and hear the preaching of the word of God. That's how you stay out of Babylon. That's how you stay out of captivity. It's not legalism. It's God trying to keep you free. The Bible, oh, the pastor preaching the word of God to you. It's not him trying to tell you what to do with your life. It's trying to keep you out of Babylon so that you can understand there is a more excellent way and in this way there's joy in this way there's peace in this way I get to come to church and worship my hands are not in chains I'm not bound by addiction I'm not bound by depression I don't want to live in Babylon hallelujah and so there, there's a picture of this though and this is that kind of that stuff about God that I really don't understand there, there's just some stuff, Sister Samson, about God that I can't figure out. There is, there's a portion that, that God begins to talk to here in Isaiah from, again, these 15 chapters, and it is the righteous that are captured with the unrighteous. Now, I, I don't know about you, but that don't sound fair to me. To be a worshiper in the house of God and have to pay for somebody else's sin. That, that don't sound fair. It, it don't sound fair that God allowed good people. They worshiped, they paid their tithes, they gave their offering, they ran the aisles, they said amen. They did all the stuff they were supposed to be uh, and uh, th- that they were supposed to do and they were the people that they were supposed to be and yet they end up in bondage for something somebody else has done. I don't like people blaming stuff on me, Brother Jimbo. That ain't no fun. I don't like being innocent and having to go to jail. That ain't no fun. And so it's God responds to his people in the way that he always does when bad things happen to good people. I'm going to preach to somebody tonight. He begins by sending them a prophet. Now, I'm not by any saying tonight that I am a prophet, but I am here to stand in this pulpit and tell you I've been anointed by God to preach to somebody tonight that bad things have been happening and you've been faithful. You've been worshiping the Lord. You've been giving. You've done everything you know to do and bad things are still happening to good people, faithful people, worshipers, and they are in bondage and just as they were in Egypt, God begins to to tell them who he is by what he has done. He says, thus saith the Lord, which made a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. He said, I want you to recognize who I am, but the only way I can get you to recognize who I am is by understanding what I've done. Can I tell you that the identity of Jesus Christ is not just Father, Son, and Spirit, but when you say Jesus, you say deliverer because that's what he's done. When you say Jesus, you say Waymaker because that's what he's done. When you say Jesus, you say Healer because that's what he's done. He said, I want you to understand who I am, but the way you're going to know who I am is you got to look back at what I've done. I've come to preach to somebody tonight that the devil's trying to convince you that God is still not on the throne and he's still not all powerful. and I tell you, you need to look back over your shoulder to everything that God has brought you through and everything that God has brought you over and you will realize who he is by what he's done. 
I call him healer because he's healed me. I call him miracle worker because he's worked miracles for me. I'm telling you, I know who he is because I know what he's done. He saved me. He changed me. He rescued me from a world of sin. I don't understand how anybody can come to church and sit there on the pew like a bump on a log when worship service is going on. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, I know who he is because I know what he's done. He kept me. He made my way out. He made my way over. I know who he is because I know what he's done. I know who he is because I know nobody else could change me. I know who he is. It had to be a God that could pull me up out of the muck and the mire. It had to be a God that could give me sanity. It had to be a God that could cause my restless nights me to lay down and sleep. It had to be a God that could dry away every tear from my... It had to be a God... Come on, I'm preaching to somebody right now. You need to know who you are. You're serving because of what he has done. Thus saith the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. Now, this is where you're just gonna have to trust me and go home and study and come back and tell me I'm right. But it was a common prayer in this era that if you needed a particular miracle that you would pray to the God that gave the miracle to that person, i.e., where is the God of Joshua? The God that torn down the walls of Jericho. Most theologians would suggest that this would be a prayer that would be praying at this point in time. As Elder Samson, the Bible says, and you can study it throughout Scripture, that Babylon is a walled city. Babylon is a strong city. Babylon is a place that, that you come and you look at, and it is, it, it's very uh, discouraging to look at the walls of Babylon. And so it is very probable that these Jews are praying, where is the God of Joshua, the God that would tear down walls? We need God to tear down the walls of Babylon. I would say today that most of us are probably praying, praying something along those lines. God, would you tear down the walls of Babylon? Would you tear down the walls of immorality? Would, would, would you tear down the walls in our world that, that has miscued the identity lines between male and female? Would you tear down the walls of, uh, of homosexuality? Would you tear down the walls of thieving? Would you tear down the walls of drugs and alcoholism? This would be the prayer that most of us would probably pray tonight. But God says, now that I have your attention, by telling you who I am by what I've done, I want you to realize that it's not going to happen like it did before. So I tore down walls for Jericho. But I'm not doing that again. That's what your Bible says. Behold, he said, listen, I want you to listen to me. Consider ye not the things of old. 
Now you can read all about the Israelite people and you can, now I, I done lost half of you right there. You're like, mm. just hang with me a minute. We gonna preach. Now, now, now you gotta understand how they pray. They are continually praying and asking God to do things that he's done before. But God said, behold, I'll do a new thing. When they crossed over Jordan, they were a new generation, but throughout scripture, God has already parted waters. This wasn't new. God has already provided food in the wilderness as, as God's people would just walk around and pick up the manna. That wasn't new because you can go to the book of Genesis and find that God's people were doing that. Adam and Eve were doing that in the Garden of Eden. So it was, it, it was something that was extravagant. It was something that was beautiful, but it wasn't new. This is an era where they are praying for God to rework miracles that he has already worked. And believe me, God can continue to do things that he's already done. But this is a season that God's people begin to pray in. And they, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you attend this apostolic church, you've seen walls fall before. You know how I know? Because I've been here when walls have fallen. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I've, I've been in prayer meetings in this church where we didn't have any preaching and nobody got in the microphone, but the Holy Ghost walked in and things that nobody else can do and nobody else knew, I watched them things fall. So this church is not, it's not unfamiliar with walls falling, but God says here, I want you to understand, I'm going to do a new thing. You're praying for the walls of Babylon to fall, but consider ye not the things of old. I am doing a new thing. I'm here to tell you tonight that Babylon's walls aren't falling because God's doing a new thing. But preacher, how can you defeat Babylon with tearing down its walls? Well, let me ask you how God did it the first time. We can see Cyrus the Great captured Babylon in 539 BC and he decided and he signed a decree that said that the Israelites could leave Babylon now you follow as they begin to leave they leave in four they they leave in four waves elder Samson and the last wave is led by none other than Ezra and Nehemiah as recorded in the book of Nehemiah chapter 7 the final wave of the Israelites that solidified their freedom that brought them out of that great walled city that put an end to their prayer that said God teared down these walls. That was led out by a man by the name of Nehemiah and Nehemiah probably incoherently begins to fulfill the words of the Lord of Isaiah. It's a new place but God says I'll do new things. This isn't the same generation that watched Jericho's walls fall. This isn't the same generation that watched manna in the wilderness. This is a new generation. This this is a new season. It and what God begins to do with Nehemiah. Nehemiah has all of the military might of the Israelites and I do believe with everything that's within me he could have mustered up an army and went back to Babylon and tore it limb from limb. Nehemiah could have went to Babylon with swords and with spears but it's a new thing for a new generation. Nehemiah doesn't go out to try to fight Babylon. Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem 
Jerusalem and he finds a broken down wall and Nehemiah says I could go and I could try to tear down the walls of the world but God's doing a new thing. I'm not going to tear down the walls of Babylon. I'm going to build the walls of the church. Can I tell you in this new season, you need to get your eyes off of what Babylon is doing. You need to stop worrying about what's going on down the road and in your world and just build the church, just build the kingdom, just new things for a new generation. Isaiah doesn't even understand what he's prophesying. New things for a new generation. Behold, I will do a new thing. Everything we've seen God do, we've seen him do it before. Isaiah says, no boys, it ain't gonna be like that this time. Every time God's ever brought you victory, it was with the strong hand of the sword and the spear. And yes, you're gonna have a sword in your hand, but you're gonna have a trial in the other hand. Yes, you're still gonna have a sword in one hand, but while you're fighting off the devil, you're gonna be building the kingdom of God. I would to God that there'd be something that got a hold of every saint of God in this house that would turn off your news app on your phone, stop reading all the negativity in our world today, and get you a Bible study chart and go out and win your world. I would to God that you stop fighting Babylon and start building Jerusalem. Stop. Let me tell you, the Bible says let the ignorant remain ignorant. You can't fix stupid, baby, but you can build a church so big that even ignorant people can understand there's something that's happening at the house of God and I want to be a part of it. new things for a new generation. Thank God for the revival that we had in the old building. Thank God for the miracle signs and wonders that we had in the old building. But it's a new season. It's a new generation. We're not the same people we were over there. Oh, I just feel this right now, and so I'm gonna walk in, and if I get in trouble, Elder, you just fix it. But the issue with some of you right now is you're trying to bring old mindsets into a new season. But can I tell you that the Bible tells us in Mark chapter two and verse 22 what happens when you try to put new wine in old wine skins? He says it'll burst it because it's not able to stretch as the wine matures. You know what you need to do? You need to find you a new wine skin. You need to get you a hold of a new vision. You need to Come on, I don't want to just have the kind of revival that would fill up that church so we had to build a new one. I want the kind of revival that'll fill up this church so we got to build a new one. I don't know if we can pay for it, baby. With God, all things are possible. It's a new season. It's feel the Holy Ghost right now. We're not going to worry about what Babylon's doing. We're not listening to Babylon. I got my ear tuned to Nehemiah and Nehemiah says, let's go. Nehemiah said, let's baptize somebody else. Nehemiah said, somebody else is going to get the Holy Ghost. Nehemiah said, we better start getting plans for a bigger sanctuary. 
how we gonna do it? We ain't gonna do it listening to Babylon. But if we will build the city of Jerusalem, all things are possible. the Holy Ghost moving in this house right now. Somebody ought to just throw your hands up in the air and say, God, whatever you're doing uh, in this season, uh, don't do it without me. If you're building, uh, don't build without me. If you're you're handing out victory, uh, don't do it without me. We just helped somebody tonight. You don't have enough influence in this world to tear down Babylon. You don't have enough followers on your social media to tear down Babylon. Know how I know? Because I read recently about a man by the name of LeBron James that has over 100 million followers and ain't changed one thing. Followers don't fix nothing. Disciples do. God did not call us together a crowd of followers. God called us to be disciple makers. God said, when you build my kingdom, I'm not interested in you just getting a crowd of people that come together for a feel good on a Wednesday night. I want disciples that'll leave and'll find somebody else that was in the same pit and tell them, I know a man that can bring you out. I know a man that can say come on I'm preaching to somebody right now if you used to be an alcoholic you ought to stop every alcoholic you see and say I've been working on a building whose hands it's it's not just brick and mortar but it's a spiritual building come on come help me work on this building you can get drunk and you don't and you don't have a headache the next morning. You can get high and you can keep all your teeth too. I'm a part of a new thing for a new generation. I am not ignorant. I'm not ignorant. I see it. I hear it just like you do. Our world going to hell in a handbasket. But the church has never looked better than it's looking right now. I, I, I know the world's messed up, but let me just tell you, there's never been a better day to be in the church than 2023. There's never been a better day to have joy in the middle of sorrow than 2023. There's never been a better era to live in and be apostolic than right now. I'm a part of new things for a new generation. How much time I got left, Brother Zach? Five minutes. We're going to go over. I'm just sorry. I love Brother Zach. 
The issue is, because we've seen God do it the way we think he should be doing it, let me just tell you about God. God's not going to work with your idea. You can't put God in your little box and box him up and let him out every now and again when you want him to do a miracle for it. That ain't how God works. And the biggest problem we will ever have is when we try to get miracles without going through God. Say, well, that doesn't happen. Well, you can talk to a man by Abraham and he'll tell you it happens because God gave him a promise of a son and he figured out that if I could get around, we're going to talk more about this later, I hope. But if we can get around God, we'll, we'll make it go our way. You can't make God do nothing. He's God. He ain't got no boss. He said, I'm the Lord. I've been up here in heaven all by myself and I ain't found nobody like me. That's what he said. He said, but if you can just buy into the miracle of understanding that your increase and your blessing is in the fact that you've got a trowel in your hand and you're just building Jerusalem. He said, well, we've been building a building. Listen, we're not just building a building. We're building cities. If all you're interested in is building a building, congratulations. Thank God, it's beautiful. But you know what? There's a lot of other pretty buildings in the world. You can go to the Vatican and it's got as much gold as you can possibly imagine and it's as ornate as you can even think of. But there ain't no power there because it's a building, it's not a city. There's something in this house that says we're connected to something uh, that's not about the concrete and the sheetrock and the lights uh, and the sound system. Uh, we're connected to something uh, that is otherworldly uh, and he's doing new things uh, in our generation. God's not going to tear down the walls in Joplin. He's not going to tear down the walls that say that all of the alcoholism that's going on, he ain't gonna do that. Let me just tell you, there's always gonna be drunks. But you don't believe me? Even Jesus didn't save everybody. Ooh, I'm trying to help you. You can read about a rich young ruler that walked away sorrowful because he bought into Babylon. He bought into him. I doubt that was the problem of why God sent him to Babylon in the first place. It was idolatry. And when the rich young ruler started looking at everything that he had, he said, I have got to make this about me. But Jesus said, you've got it all wrong, son. You've got to sell everything you got and you've got to follow me. You're telling me that I've got to sell everything I've got and follow Jesus? No, Jesus was testing him to see is there idolatry in your heart? Are you more worried about Babylon than you are about Jerusalem are you more interested in your kingdom or God's kingdom because when you get interested in God's kingdom you understand yes there will be alcoholism yes there will be drug addicts in the world I understand I can't save everybody but I'm going to save everybody that I can Listen to me, you may feel insignificant and you say, I don't know if I can change the world. God's not calling you to change the world. God's just calling you to change your world. And if you can change your world, then I'm here to tell you, that's what God's looking for. God's looking for a Nehemiah that'll say, I can't fix Babylon, but I can build the church. I can teach a Bible study. I can pray in the Holy Ghost. 
every time Wednesday night rolls around and you come to church and you're tired because you've been fighting Babylon all week, but you get down on your knees and you don't feel it at first, but Lord, I sure thank you that you let me come to your house one more time. Lord, I'm tired. I'm weak, I'm weary, and I'm worn. But Lord, I know that you've been better to me than I've been to myself. Matter of fact, God, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you because I know that it's in you that I live and I move and I have my being. You don't know it, but every time you come to church and you don't feel like praying, but you grab yourself by the nap of the neck and drag yourself into the prayer room, Lord, I thank you. I praise you. I give you glory because you've been good. I give you thanks because you're God and you're on the throne. Every time you start doing that, you may not feel it, but the lights are getting dimmer in Babylon. Every time you come to church and all of a sudden you prayed your way through your flesh, you worshiped your way through your flesh, you didn't feel it at first, but now all of a sudden you're starting to feel it. Every time you get in the spirit, the lights get a little dimmer in Babylon. You know what my Bible says? A city set on a hill cannot be well hid. Every time Babylon's lights go down, Jerusalem lights are being turned up. It's new things for a new generation. Hallelujah. I do believe that that's why David said, let God arise. You just build God up. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. You know what he was saying? You build the Lord up high enough and that's the only thing that can happen. You build the church big enough and every demon will move out of town. You, you just keep building the church. There, it's always going to be there. They're always going to buy into Babylon. But the bigger you build the church, the more they're going to talk about that than they are about what's going on at the local bar. Just build the church. Just build the kingdom. When God spoke to I'm I'm trying to quit. Three more minutes. Okay, good. I'm messing with him. When God told Abraham, you step off the land in Genesis chapter 13. The Bible says that Abraham stepped off the land and he came back and you know what he did? He didn't go in and start tearing down the, the, the kingdoms of the Canaanite kings. You know what he did? He built an altar. Because Abraham understood when God's given me the property the signification isn't by how much stuff I tear down. What lets me know I own the property is by how much stuff I build. So you, you can buy a piece of ground and you can start pushing trees over and that don't mean anything. Because you let it sit there long enough and Brother Samson's going to put cows on it. You can push down as many trees as you want to. You can, buy, you can buy a whole strip mall and push it down. And you know what? You don't do something with it. It's a parking lot. But you want identity? Build something. 
for too long. I'm preaching to this church right now. I'm not preaching to Pentecost. I'm preaching to this church. For too long, we've been a church that has spent more time worried about what we've torn down. God, help us change our mindset that right now in this moment, we buy into the spirit of building uh, and we don't just stop building because we built the church, uh, but we keep on, but thou art Peter and upon this rock I will Build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why do you think, why do you think, I know I said this before, but it feels real good to say it right here. And I know I've said this before here because I preached a message here some years ago. So they built and they prospered just when y'all first got this property. If I'm not mistaken, I was preaching a revival here when y'all got this property. But in that message, I talked about something and the Holy Ghost just brought it back to me and I just feel like saying it just to make the devil mad. Why do you think that Jesus came as a carpenter? Because he understood that there is more blessing in building. He could have come as a lawyer. He was God. He could do anything he wanted to do. Could have come down as a rich man. Could have come down as a doctor, a lawyer, a physician, all of those things. But he didn't come down as any of that. He came down as a carpenter because he wanted hell to know that every time I swing the hammer, I'm letting you know I'm building a city. The Bible talks about a city. John said, I saw that city coming down and it wasn't made with man's hands, but it was indicated by a carpenter that was God made flesh. And every time he swung the hammer, he was letting hell know I'm tearing your kingdom down by building my kingdom up. You're never gonna stop Barabbas from being Barabbas, but lift him up on a cross and he'll change the whole world with three nails and a couple sticks of wood. That's what happens when you build. When, I'm closing, musicians come. When, New things for a new generation happen. The Bible says that I will cause water to be in the wilderness. You have to understand that water is spirit. Anytime you study typology in the Old Testament and the New Testament, water is a type and a, spirit, is a, type and a shadow of the spirit of God. He said, I'm going to cause there to be the spirit in the wilderness. You know what God was saying? Is I'm going to cause something to grow in places that nobody thought stuff could grow. I don't know why they're building that new building. We've had apostolic churches around here for decades and they've never run over 175, 200. Watch us, devil. We're fixing to pack this building out with the power of the Holy Ghost. That's how they did it 40 years ago. And we're still preaching the same message. We're still holding the same standard. We're still preaching the same God. But this is a new generation. And God said he's going to do stuff different now. We're walking into a new dimension. Water's in the wilderness. And I like this part because he said, the dragons of the wilderness are going to honor me. Now that, you know what that says? I don't have time, I could preach a whole message on this, but I'm not going to. Y'all are hungry and so am I. But he said, when I'm gonna cause the dragons to honor me, you know what God was saying is, I'm gonna make the devil watch me, build my kingdom, and know there's nothing he can do about it. And when I walk in the room, every dragon of the wilderness is gonna have to bow his knee. 
You know what I'm believing? Over the next five to 10 years, something so spiritual is gonna happen in this church, in this kingdom, and what God is doing in this city is that you're gonna walk into a restaurant and somebody that's possessed with a demon is gonna just sit down and say, oh God, they're here. And they're gonna come up to you and tell you, how do I get free? How do I come out of this? The dragons of the wilderness are gonna honor him. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. But he said, this is what he said. He said, when I start doing new things, he said, these are the people that I have formed for myself. Meaning that God handpicked that generation to see the mighty things of the Lord. And dare I say tonight that God has handpicked every single saint of God that is in this house right now, in this generation, to do a new thing in this city, revival like you've never seen before. Now, listen, I think you already know. You know me well enough to know. We're not changing our message. We're not changing what we believe, but we're fixing to see God do things we've never seen him do before. We're not changing because God's not changing, but God's gonna lift up a banner that we have never seen. Revival like we have never seen. I'm looking forward to a phone call that said, Brother Phillips, we had 100 get the Holy Ghost on Sunday. I'm looking forward to a phone call that said we had to build more baptistry rooms because uh, we're having 50 people a say I don't know if that can happen uh, then you sit there in Babylon and you're down uh, but as for me uh, I'm going to build Jerusalem uh, I believe and the Bible says and they shall show forth uh, my praise uh, I wish there'd be somebody uh, from the front to the back uh, that wants to be a part uh, of a new thing uh, in a new generation uh, that would step out in the aisle uh, and show forth praise uh, that says I uh, still uh, believe uh, that God is able uh, to do exceeding uh, abundantly uh, above all uh, that we can ask or even think. How many believe you're going to see God do a new thing this week? You've never seen him heal cancer. Get ready. You're going to see him heal cancer. You've never... You've never seen him feel somebody while standing on the street corner. Then baby, pull over and pray for him because it's a new season and God is getting ready to do new things. Somebody give him praise right now like it already happened. Working on a building. It's a sure foundation. I'm holding up the blood.